The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the religious authorities. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. Now, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated. A retired guy, a retired pastor named Daniel Erland, wrote and illustrated a lovely resource for people to think about Lutheranism within the family of Jesus believers. And this little resource is called Baptized We Live, Lutheranism as a Way of Life. And then 
Erlander goes on to talk about the voice of Lutheranism within the Christian choir as a way that describes a kind of, of path. And he first of all talks about Lutheranism as a way of seeing. Lutheranism as a way of seeing. And then he says that the cross of Jesus is the lens, the set of glasses we are given through which to see God hidden in weakness, in vulnerability, in loss, in suffering and dying. I gave you a present this morning. It's in the bulletin. Find it. Go ahead, find it. These are old preacher's tricks. I have to keep you awake. Find it. There it is. There it is. This is from Erlander's little book. It's on that half sheet. I want to read it with you. All right? Let's read it together. We do not find God by proving God's existence by the wonder of nature or the power of logic, validating God's presence by visible blessings, having a prescribed religious experience, earning divine love by our good works, building glorious religious institutions, reaching a high level of personal morality, saving ourselves through status, wealth, knowledge, consumption, chemicals, positive thinking, health foods, or exercise plans. We do not find God. God finds us in our darkness, our pain, our emptiness, our loneliness, our weakness. God finds us. Are you ready for a New Testament factoid? Here it is. In all of the New Testament stories that we have about the resurrection of Jesus, it is always the risen Jesus who finds people, never the other way around. In today's gospel, it is the risen Jesus who steps through locked doors. It is the risen Jesus who finds the disciples locked up inside of their fear and pain. Jesus speaks a word of peace to them. And then, and then, he shows them his hands and his side. Jesus shows them the wounds. Now, isn't this odd? We who hear this story every year, at least once, we maybe forget how odd the story is. In the way we normally do things, those who wish to be leaders hide their wounds from view. Scars? Nah. Leaders want us to see their successes, their strengths. In the way we normally go about doing things, we certify ourselves for others through our accomplishments. Now imagine this. You're going to go home and compose a resume 
a CV that lists first and foremost your failures, your doubts, your personal struggles. Only in the Gospel of John is one of the 11 disciples absent when Jesus appears. And I think this is quite cool because the Gospel writer has need of absent Thomas. In peeling him off from the rest, John is able to put Thomas into the shoes of all later generations, including ours. So the other 10 disciples immediately have the opportunity to begin their new vocation as evangelists. They go and proclaim to Thomas the Easter message, we have seen the Lord. To which Thomas responds, unless, unless I see the mark of the wounds. Thomas is not interested in having someone explain to him how a dead man can live again. He, he doesn't want an explanation of resurrection, let alone a theology of resurrection. He doesn't want to hear Jesus' voice. He doesn't want to see his face or watch him eat. Even after Easter, most especially after Easter, Thomas fixes his request on the cross. Thomas wants to see wounds on a resurrected body. He wants convincing that the crucified one meets us again. And just so, Jesus finds Thomas. The risen one returns leaving the other 99 sheep to enjoy the green pastures of Easter in order to find this one sheep lost in his doubts. Jesus finds Thomas locked up in his anger, his fear, his disappointment, and he shows him the scars. <clears throat> I wonder if we want to be found by such a God. This, this, this God seems to be more interested in our doubts than in our certainties, more interested in meeting us in our doubts than affirming our certainties. I wonder if we want to be found by a God who shows us divine glory by showing us divine scars. At the sight of those wounds, the doors are unlocked for Thomas. Today's gospel begins with the other disciples locked up inside the fear of what the powerful could do to them. Thomas doesn't care about that. He doesn't share that fear. Earlier in John's gospel, when Jesus made up his mind to go to Jerusalem, Thomas, being a bright bulb, knew full well what would happen to Jesus there. Thomas knew that Jesus would be killed there. But in that earlier scene, once Thomas knew that he couldn't change Jesus' mind, Thomas tells the others, 
Let us also go with him, that we may die with him. Thomas is not afraid to die. He's not afraid to walk with Jesus. What he fears most, I think, is having his perspective turned inside out. Thomas has a way of looking at things, and it has taken him a long time and hard work to develop this perspective. He has a way of looking at things which make sense to him at this point in his life, and the scars, the scars, blow that all out of the water, he cannot abide the notion that God is most profoundly present in our pain. One of the things that I looked forward to most when I retired as a Lutheran pastor in 2019 was becoming a member of a congregation. So for more than 40 years, I had been pastoring people in congregations, and now I had a chance to sit in the pew or in a chair. I had a chance to help at council meetings or committees or sing in the choir. I love singing in the choir, and I didn't get to do that. Really enjoyed that. We found, my wife and I, we found a home at Faith Lutheran Church in Cambridge, Mass. Uh, a congregation that is 130 years old. We just marked our 130th anniversary. Um, Swedish immigrants founded this congregation. And in 1909, they built their church. They built their church, their spiritual home. They built it using a Swedish village church that the pastor knew as, as the model for what they were going to do. And we love the building. And above the altar, there is this really corny, but beautiful painting of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And he looks surprisingly like a Swede. <laughs> Last Sunday was wonderful with you. I went home, and about 6.15, I got a phone call from my sister, who lives in North Attleboro, saying that she had seen on the television news that our church was on fire. And so I rushed right over there, along with other members of the church, and stayed there until 10 o'clock or so, and then it was time to go home. But our building has been completely gutted by fire. And um, we don't know. We don't know what will happen now. So we're a small congregation. We're small but mighty. But we're in a lot of pain. We are in a period of profound loss. Our pastor has said to us that one thing we know is that we can do the primary thing that God tells us to do, and that is keep getting together for worship. Friends, Jesus' resurrection 
is not a story about how all of our lives have a happy ending. That is not what the resurrection is. The resurrection is the announcement of hope within lives that are still torn by anguish and loss and confusion. It is the story of the hope that God gives us to find meaning eventually within circumstances that seem utterly meaningless. So our pastor has called us to continue to gather around this good word. And one of the first ways that God has found us in our brokenness is that the people of the Pentecostal tabernacle right around the corner from our church, founded also by Swedish immigrants, called us and said, we have two buildings. We don't need to use both of them. We'll move all of our stuff out of one of these buildings. You can use it for as long as you need it without charge. Jesus finds us, God finds us in just such circumstances. Jesus is still the faithful witness, still more interested in meeting us in our doubts than in our certainties. The risen Christ is still the faithful loser who meets us through such ridiculous means as a few words from a preacher. Or, 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 or bits of bread and wine shared at a table, or water poured over a toddler's head, or in the love of neighbors in the midst of pain. Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.